Uh, if you're there, you can stand. We're going to read from uh, verse 11, parable of the... Then he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, sent him into his fields to feed swine, and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you, I have never transgressed your command, and yet you never gave me a, me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. He said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost. Lord, I want to thank you right now for you this morning. I want to thank you for baby Misha. I want to thank you for the precious gift that you give us in children. And I want to thank you also, Lord, that you've given. Lord, you gave us your son. You gave him the precious gift of the Lord Jesus Christ to us this day. And I ask, Lord, through this message that, Lord Jesus, you would be completely and utterly glorified through your word. Lord, I'm asking that, Lord, something profoundly happened today in the hearts through faith, through hearing your word to us today. So I ask right now, Holy Spirit of God, that you would anoint. I'm asking for authority and your power, Lord. Speak forth. Ask it in Jesus. And uh, by the way, you, uh, with the dedication, I imagine there might be some new people here, um, visitors who have come to witness that. So special welcome to you. Thank you for joining. So this is a um, this is probably one of the most well known parables that Jesus taught, and a parable is a it's a it's an earthly story, but it's got a it's got a heavenly meaning to it. 
And to begin with, Jesus speaks about this son who runs away from home, this rebellious son who, who leaves the father's house and goes and basically spends, spends the inheritance that was rightfully his once his father died on prodigal living, which is just basically wasteful living. And he, he ran away, wasted everything that he had, the sin that he had in his life, because in that passage it says that he came to himself, he said, I've sinned before heaven and my father, and I'll return. His sin was rebellion, it was self-indulgence, there was pride, and there was also dishonor, but he hit rock bottom. He had tasted the world, he'd gone out and done everything his heart desired, but it, it didn't satisfy this man. He hit rock bottom, and he came to a moment of clarity when he said, what I really want is back at home with the father, in the house. And the father represents God. I think that would be obvious. And this lost son, or the younger son, I'll call him, in verse 18, when he returned, he said, when he was about to, rather, he said, I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired so this man has lived for himself, spent his livelihood, caused shame and dishonor to the family, but in him coming home, he knew he had a place back home. He'd sinned, he'd fallen, he'd repented, and he'd returned. That was all good and well, but this son, this younger son, still didn't feel in a sense that he belonged because he came back to the father and his intention was, I'm not going to be accepted. I'm not going to be received. I'll come back, but, you know, in the off chance, maybe my father will make me a hired servant because I no longer, in my own witness and according to my own way I've lived, don't actually belong back in the father's house. And so this man... Like some of us today, he's fallen, we all fall, we all stumble, but we don't actually know that we can actually come back to the Father's house with loving arms. See, this man, he'd fallen, and in a sense, he's thinking to himself, well, I'll never actually match up, I'm never actually going to be good enough, look at the life that I've led, I've stumbled and I've fallen numerous times. It'll be the same thing he'd done over and over again. But in his own estimation of himself, he couldn't see that God would, the Father, would welcome him back. He'd fallen so many times and he didn't feel himself worthy to be accepted. So there was a distance, in a sense, between him and the Father. Because, like I said, he wanted to come back as a hired servant, not in the original place he was as a son. So he felt there a distance. He didn't fully understand his acceptance. And he couldn't draw close. He couldn't draw close to the Father. Although he repented and, and though he confessed his sin and realized what he'd done wrong, he still felt 
there's still a gap between me and the Father. I don't have that acceptance. I don't feel like I'm still accepted. I will just sit under him. I'll just be like one of the hired servants because that's all I'm worthy for. And we can feel like that today. You can feel like that sitting here today that God is just, he's always angry at me. I just feel like he's always angry at me. I wake up in the morning and I feel like he's angry at me. I go to bed at night and he's angry at me. I don't know what I've done, but I always feel like a sense that I've done something wrong, that I don't measure up, that I can't actually get into that place of liberty. Because one of the reasons Jesus came was to set at liberty the captives. And if you're listening to my voice today, that is for every single person in this room, every single person online, that he came to set at liberty the captives. And so this first son had a measure of liberty. He still knew that he could come back, but there was like a sense sense that he couldn't draw close. And even today, many outside the church don't feel like they can come in because they don't feel worthy. I'm not good enough. I haven't lived the life that the people in the church or the way they presume God looks on them have lived. And you see this in uh, the, if you turn over to Mark, uh, Luke 18, this is the par- another parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And in verse 9, this is another one he spoke. He spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves and they were righteous and they despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, Jesus said. One a Pharisee, so the Pharisee is the really good one. He's the one completely righteous and he never does, he's the goody two-shoes, okay? That's the Pharisee. And the other, a tax collector. That's like the modern-day drug dealer, okay? Everyone despised him. Now, there's these two. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, far off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said in verse 14, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So this Pharisee thought, His own estimation of his goodness and his righteousness, everything he'd done, commended him to God's acceptance. And that's what a lot of people outside the church believe too, that they can't come in because they won't be accepted because they're not good enough. But yet Jesus said there's this other man who was afar off, couldn't even lift his eyes because he he was in deep shame and he knew his place before God as a sinner. But yet Jesus said this is the one who was justified. That word justified, it's like a a meaning in a court. When you go to court and you are to receive your verdict, you are, if you are acquitted, that's what justification means. If, If you're acquitted, that means you're justified. It's done. There's a done deal where you are off. Jesus said that this man, the the man who couldn't even lift his eyes, but in him his own estimation was a sinner. This is the one that Jesus said would be justified because the, God, the one who God looks on and is merciful towards is the one who knows that he's not good enough. And so this, this man, the one who thought he wasn't good enough, this was the one 
who God actually looked down on with love and mercy towards, the one who thought he wasn't worthy enough, the one who thought he would never be good enough. That's the one who Jesus justified, the one who he, in Jesus' estimation, was made righteous. And you see, we know this other scripture well, but there's some of you that might know it. It's in Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 9. I'll read it out. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So just as that Pharisee, his justification came through his good works, and he was completely justified in his own estimation of himself. But this scripture says here that we are, by grace we've been saved through faith. Grace is God's unmerited and undeserved favor on our lives. Also means the free giving of God. So it's free. That's God's grace to us. You show someone grace, you give them something that they don't deserve. God gives us freely grace. Faith also comes freely. That is what that scripture says. That's how we are saved. It's by grace. If it's something we can earn, it's not grace. That's not grace. If you can earn it, it's not grace. Grace can only come freely. And God gives it in abundant measure to us. He gives it and he offers it to the world. The free gift of grace, the free gift of faith. Faith in what? Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith that he died the sinner's death. That he died, he rose again, reigns victoriously has paid the cost for you and I. That's the faith we have in. So this man back in Luke 15, the, the one who had walked away and come back, now he may well have fallen. He may well have fallen numerous times. But in Romans 3, verse 23 to 24, it says... For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. See, a lot of people, and you may be one of them today, like I said, you feel like you're in a place where maybe you've fallen Maybe it's each day you feel like you can't actually get ahead, that you're not actually measuring up before God's standard and you feel condemned and you feel guilty. You just, you just feel guilty all the time. You just live with a sense of guilt over your life that I've got to, you know, it's, got, it's in my best, best interest and it's in God's best interest that I just stay a foot away from him because I just can't draw near him. But that's a lie. That's what guilt Guilt is always a result of accusation. That's where guilt comes from, an accusation. You've got an enemy who is an accuser. You've got your own thoughts that accuse yourself, but you've also got an enemy. He's called Satan. He's the accuser of the brethren. Now, this scripture says that everyone has sinned. We've all sinned. All of us, none of us have matched up to the glory of God. Every person in the, wo in the world even Auntie Thelma, who's never done anything wrong, she's a sinner. Unless she's been washed by the blood of Jesus, unless she has been saved through faith in Jesus Christ, we are all in that place until we have received the Lord Jesus Christ. We have, 
it says in that scripture, being declared righteous. So again, that means justified. We have been in that place of the courtroom. We've come before God as guilty. And God, the righteous judge, the verdict should be guilty, but he gives us innocent because we look to the party in front of us who is Jesus on the cross. And it is him that takes the punishment. It's him that takes the guilt that we deserve. That is the free gift of salvation. And through that, receiving Jesus by faith, you and I is justified. Like I said, we've been acquitted. We've been reckoned righteous because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done by putting faith in him. So we day to day stand justified. We stand We stand before God today with the righteousness of Christ. It's his his righteousness that is given to us. It's his righteousness given to us. So you stand each day justified. And so I think many people believe, and that's just a one-off. That's done. The day you were born again, that's a once-off. But you know what? You still, sometimes you're going to fall. But in that, you are being sanctified. You are being made now more and more like Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Each day, you're becoming less of this and more of this. You're becoming less of this and more of this. And you are being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Egypt, they, Israel rather, left Egypt. They were, res- they were redeemed through the blood on the doorpost, on the lintels on the doorpost. That took a day. That was a once-off, a one-day thing. It took 40 years, however, to get Egypt out of Israel. That's sanctification. That's for us. So if you're sitting here today thinking, you know, I just feel like I'm, I'm always guilty, I'm always condemned, I can never match up. Christ is doing a work in you. You still stand justified. You still stand before God with the righteousness of God. Now, That's where some people get a little bit lost, maybe, or they don't understand through ignorance that your justification, you stand today acquitted, not guilty, that is forever. Yes, you may fall, but there is a work that God is doing in you to transform you. Yes, you may fall like this son did, but you can come back to him because God is merciful you can come back to him and receive mercy and forgiveness and he promises he'll wipe that away. He'll wipe that away in an instant. So you no longer need to stand at a distance from God. It's not necessary that you stand any longer from a distance because this prodigal, he didn't actually trust. He didn't trust in the complete finished work of the cross because he didn't understand justification he didn't he didn't completely understand that i can come back to a loving god into his loving arms and his arms that are completely merciful and compassionate he didn't believe he could come in he thought i would just come in as something else i'm not welcome anymore i can come in as a hired servant and so that is not for us today that is not for us. It is, you know, it feels like 
it's our human nature to work. That's our human nature. You see it from the book of Genesis. It feel, we feel like we have to earn something. So when we fall, many of you feel like I now have to earn my way back to God. I need to, maybe I need to start getting up. I'm going to get up early every morning, God, and I'm going to read my Bible, and I'm going to make my way back to you, and you'll be happy with me. Or I'm going to start praying more, and you're going to be happy with me. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And you're going to be happy with me. And that could just be maybe not so forthright, but subtly in our mind, we can have that mindset, like I've got to work my way back to God. But God doesn't say that. He just says, come freely. He says, come to me. Because you see, when this son came back, he received God's love. He came back. This son was expecting you know, my father's just going to make me like one of the hired servants. I have accepted that. But he doesn't. He says nothing of the sort. He says when he comes back to him that he gave and completely honored and loved him. He said in verse 22 when he returned, well, 20 rather, he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, banish him forever. I don't want to know about him. He says, no, that's, he didn't say that. He said, but the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. There was so much joy in that house. There was no mention of his wrongdoings because he'd repented and come back. See, that's God's love for us. These things, the ring, the robe, the fatted calf, these things were things that honored the son and it, they demonstrated God's love for us, for you and I, regardless of what we've done, regardless Sin is sin before God. Sin is sin before God. That's why we celebrate communion. We remember what the blood has done. We remember what the cross has done. We remember what Jesus has done through the death. And I want to actually look at what Paul said in Galatians 2.19. And I'll read it, and then I'm going to explain it. In Galatians 2.19, he says, For I, through the law, died to the law, that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness, so if, if goodness, in other words, comes through the law, doing good things, then Christ died in vain. So not only do we have to have the revelation of God's love, and actually know and receive that by faith that when we come to him, but we've got to actually, like Paul said, walk by faith. He's saying, in essence, that he couldn't keep the law, the religious rules of do's and do nots. He couldn't do it. He said, that law is killing me. Not the law itself, but inside me, I can't do it. I just can't do it. It just kills me to do it. He's saying, I, I've died to the law. My life is hidden with Christ now. By faith in what he has done, I, he is in me and I am in him. And it's all by his grace. Again, there's that word, that free giving of God. It was trusting in God's power. He, Paul was trusting in God's power to change him, to, to sanctify him. 
through the Holy Spirit, but he was also trusting in the justification, his right standing before God. Remember that justification, acquitted. He was, he was rightfully made when he received Christ as Lord and Saviour. He's trusting in him completely. You can't substitute anything for faith in this walk. As a Christian, you cannot substitute anything. No efforts, no works, no charitable deeds, no service. It's all, as Paul said, by faith. It's by faith we receive the work of the cross. It's by faith in what Jesus has done. And that might sound very elementary. But I want to tell you, sometimes we can fall and subtly begin to think that we can't draw near to God. Just subtly, like Paul wrote to the Galatians, and he's saying, you've fallen from grace. I think it was the Galatians. He said, you've fallen from grace. You're coming back under rules. You're trying to earn your way to me. You're trying to earn your salvation. You're trying to earn everything and please me by your good works. In essence, that's what he's saying to them. Now, like I said, having the revelation of God's love for us, that's what this son needed. He needed to have the revelation of God's love for him, that he could come back into open arms. No questions asked. He'd already repented. He'd already confessed his sin, as, as long as we do that. But he also had these accusations. And like I said, you have an enemy that you need to deal with. You have an enemy, an enemy who is... The accuser of the brethren, his name is Satan, and we overcome him, it says in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. We overcome Satan, actually starting in verse, that's verse 12. In verse 11, it says, verse 10, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren, brethren, who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. So the first condition is that they, firstly, they don't love their lives to the death, but they overcame Satan. They overcame those accusations of, I'm not good enough, all this guilt that people are living with, the condemnation, the accusation. We overcome that. By, it says there, the word of the Lamb, uh, the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So we can actually, when we are getting accused, we don't have to receive them. Those thoughts, you have to reject them. You have to speak against them and go, no, I've been sanctified. I've been washed clean by the blood of Jesus. I've been redeemed. I've been cleansed. I've been delivered. And you speak the word of God over those accusations and they will leave because they are only thoughts. That is how you overcome. You speak and you testify to what the blood of Jesus has done for you in your life, according to the Word of God. You speak that Word. That is your weapon. You speak that Word over your mind. You speak to those thoughts. You reject those thoughts. Go, no, I'm not coming under that. I've been washed. I've been cleansed. I've been redeemed. I'm not living guilty anymore. I've been set free. I'm, I've been set on high by the Lord Jesus Christ. I am set at liberty. Hallelujah. 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 Now, that was the first son. Now, this second son, he didn't have the love of God either. What was his problem? Self-righteousness. He was, he was self-righteous. When his brother came, 
and returned as joy, you know, he should have been joyful, he should have been so excited just as God the Father was. He wasn't. He said in verse 25, he was what? Uh, in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. And this is his uh, response. He was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his brother came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother. He was dead, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. See, God's, God distinguishes men and women in the complete universe by not good and bad, but lost and found. That's the only one. You fall into one or two categories. And this, this son, the older son, he's saying, I've, not, I've never done anything wrong. I've been perfect my whole life. And he probably was. I've never sworn. I've never stolen. I've never got drunk. I've never killed anyone. I've filled out my tax report right. I did the um, Clean Up Australia Day every year. Everything he did was right. And it was good. But what was the problem? It was, it was self-righteousness. He thought he was justified. So his example of himself being justified before God wasn't Jesus. It was his own works. It was like the Pharisee. I've, I've, I've worked my way. I've done it. I've done it all. I've earned my way to God in everything I've done. I've pleased him. I've done it all. I've never done anything wrong. But the Pharisee, he was... He was he didn't receive salvation. It was that humble sinner who couldn't even lift his eyes to heaven, the tax collector, the one that everyone looked down on, which is like the first son. So he felt like he, just, he was justified. He strived all his life, and he was angry. I've never done anything like this. I've never done anything like him. But you know what? In Isaiah 53, verse 6, this is a prophecy of what uh, Jesus came to do what he was going to do, what he was going to be, everything he was going to redeem us from. And in verse 6, he says, this is a prophecy, though, from Isaiah. He says, all we like sheep have gone astray. This is before we receive Christ. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So not exactly a terrible crime. I don't, I don't read anything there, anything completely wrong initially. We haven't committed terrible crime. It doesn't say we have all committed murder. It doesn't say we've even got drunk. It just says we've gone our own way. That's the sin that God held against mankind. We've gone our own way. We've been rebellious, self-pleasers. We've lived by our own standards, just like that older son. His, old, his standards that he lived by. I can't believe you forgave him, Dad. He spent your whole livelihood, everything he did, and he come back, and here I am, I've done everything right. I've never done anything wrong. And you can't even, you haven't never done anything for me because he, he didn't have the love of God. The father said, everything I have is freely yours. It's always been yours, but he couldn't enter in. He couldn't receive it because he didn't have the love of God. They both hadn't had the love of God. The older brother who condemned the younger brother, he could not receive it. 
he didn't have, he couldn't receive into what God had for him, the liberty that he had for him because he didn't receive the love of God. He was there in his own world working his way to goodness. He didn't understand the free gift of grace that God had given. Because remember, grace can't be earned. We've got to receive it freely, and it's a gift. This man, this older son, he couldn't. He couldn't receive the grace. He wanted to be justified by his own merits. I'm going to get to God, and it's going to be from everything I do. So I want to ask you, as I close, and this is a serious question. I'm talking to a church. I'm talking to mainly Christians here. Have you received God's free gift of grace? Have you received that free gift, the precious gift? Been saved by grace through faith. Have you received it? Or just, just, just subtly, are you doing things that are earning you favor, earning you brownie points, so to speak, to God, that he will be more accepting of you? Just subtly, just there's things you just, just, just subtly, I just... If I don't read my Bible for 10 minutes every day, I don't feel like I've done enough that day. That's like, it's, it's a millimeter, but it moves you. It moves you out of that place where you're not in the grace, you're not in the love. You, you're moving into rules, moving back under the law. Paul said it's going to kill you when you live like that because there's no liberty. That older son had no liberty. He was angry. He was rebellious. He did everything right, though. On the outside, it looked great. He didn't put a foot out of a foot out of. Um, yeah, you know what I mean. He was perfect. How do you know? This is the scripture I'm going to finish with. How do you know where you are? How do I know where I'm at? Am I in grace? Am I in the love of God? Or am I still working in self-righteous? This is an honest question for us. And this, with this I close. This is Isaiah 61 verse 10. Again, this is a prophecy given about what the Lord Jesus would do, what he has come and he's already done it. Isaiah 61:10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. He's talking about God's people that are going to be redeemed. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks him self with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with jewels i'm going to read those first few lines i will greatly rejoice are you rejoicing in what god has done you're rejoicing in your own merit your own works your own goodness my soul shall be joyful is there joy do you have a joy when we come to christ it's righteousness peace and joy the peace and joy are the expressions of the righteousness that you've received the righteousness of christ through faith in him do you have the joy that's an indicator. Do you have that joy? He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Now it says, my soul shall be joyful in my God. That's not just religion. That's salvation. That's, there's no religion there. There's no legalism. There's no works. There's no law. It's all freely given by God and it's all freely received. Now, have you received the gift of grace through faith, and that through that you're justified, you're acquitted before God, 
sees Christ in you, the righteousness of Christ? Are you believing in the goodness of your own works? And you know, there'll be another way you tell because if a drug dealer or a heroin addict walked through that door or a prostitute, how your heart responds, tell you. I am more than welcoming to any person doesn't matter what their background, they walk through that door. I want people, I want those people to come in. They're like the modern day tax collectors. They're the ones that Christ died for. And they're the ones we want to, ought to welcome. So I just want to pray for us because this is something we need to consider. It's not a light message. Straightforward, but it's not light. Father, I want to just I acknowledge right now that everything Everything we have, like our whole being, our salvation, Lord, it, it all comes from you. Lord, everything good comes through your grace, Lord. I want to thank you for your grace, Lord, that is free. I want to thank you for the gift of faith that is free. I want to thank you that, Lord, we have in Christ redemption, we have deliverance, we have salvation, all through the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank you, Father God, your word declares that we receive it by faith. I'm asking right now, Lord, by your Spirit, you would show each of us, Lord, where we stand before you. Lord, I'm asking, Lord, there would be a, a restart in us where we have fallen from grace, Lord, and we are moving to works, faith plus works, maybe. Father God, I'm asking by your Spirit, Lord, you would show us here today where we are at Lord, it's only you. You are the revealer, Holy Spirit, of our hearts. It's only you who can reveal, Lord, what is truly deep, Lord, in our hearts and in our motives, in our actions, in our thoughts. So I'm asking right now, Lord, I'm asking you to do something so wonderful and so powerful. And Lord, I want to lift up every person here who has been walking condemned. They feel constantly guilty. Like you are, you are angry with them. I'm asking right now, Lord, they just, it's just a, it's a measure of love, Lord, that they have not had revealed to them. I'm asking, Lord, because you have already shed abroad that love by your Holy Spirit into each of our hearts. So I'm asking right now, Lord, it would be revealed in a deeper measure. We would have the great revelation of your love for each of us personally. Lord, we don't want to know intellectually that you love us. Father God, we're asking for a relationship. We're asking for that loving relationship, Lord, so we know that we can draw near to you, that you are so forgiving and you are loving, you are compassionate and you are merciful. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your blood. And Lord, those people who are struggling, Lord, with guilt and accusation, Father God, I'm asking right now, Lord, you would come and you would scatter every accusation. Lord, you would scatter every one of those enemies. I'm asking, Lord, that those minds would be completely renewed and transformed through the washing of your word. Lord, they would know today, Lord, that the blood has set them free, that they no longer live condemned. They no longer live guilty. But Lord, they would know your love. They would know, Lord, that you've set those captives free lord i declare right now liberty over every person those lord who have been walking like the lost son father god i'm asking right now lord you would bring liberty to their lives those that have been walking like the older son father god i'm asking right now lord they would be set on high lord they would be completely liberated today father god and we would be a people who walk by faith completely by faith and under your grace walking in and through it 
receiving it. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.